Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award-winning play-by-play man Dan Dibley Squirt. and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, a special edition of Golasso Supremo because we put the Golasso in Golasso. Golasso, Golasso, Golasso. Asso, asso, asso. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a book that had Golasso in the title? I think if there was such a book, Rick, that it would be up to us to talk about that book and have the author, Nee. The illustrator on this very podcast. Tell me what you're holding over there, big man. G is for Glosso, the ultimate soccer alphabet. And this comes to us uh, from our friends at Triumph Books. And uh, we are going to have the people behind it, at least one of the gentlemen. And it's a cool book. It is for kids. But um, we know we our audience is, uh, as we always say, 8 to 108. Yes. You're 109. Turn us off right now. Yes, it's a perfect uh, stocking stuffer in case you're luck- looking to get an early, early, early jump mm-hmm. on your holiday shopping. Or if you're Wiccan, I think the uh, the goat sacrifice is in a week. Yeah. So you could throw that yeah. into your cauldron. Thank you. Just five shopping days until... <laughs> We sacrifice a goat. G is not for goat. G is for Golasso. <laughs> By the way, they also wrote the book B is for Baller, which was a similar yes. book for kids about basketball. But and, of the, course, the great cookie monster, C is for cookie. It's good, it's good enough, enough for, for me. me. Although now, as they will tell you, cookie is a sometime treat. You oh. know that they've changed cookie's tagline, right? Oh. It used to be C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. Cookie, cookie, cookie. Give me about three. Wow. And now it's cookies are a sometime treat. So See, that's what happens was... when the government gets fully involved with your Sesame Street. <laughs> or it's 2019, so P is for peanut. It's good enough for the kids who don't have peanut allergies. Yes, and please don't bring peanuts to your various soccer games at halftime because, you know, peanut allergy is a very serious thing. Yes, absolutely. It is Golasso Supremo. We will talk a little bit about Chris Wondolowski's unbelievable feat. We are All walking. Time. Yes, walking in a Wando Wonderland as he becomes the all-time leading scorer in Major League Soccer. We'll give you some uh, transfer news as it pertains to European soccer. We'll also take a look at the state of American soccer as the qualifications begin for the World Cup 2022, Rick. 2022 in Qatar, the Asian, I guess, region beginning qualifications here in just a couple of weeks' time. The electric Qatar, yes, and it's still a shambles nice. <laughs> that it's there. I'll I'll live to be a hundred. I'll never call it Cutter. That's C U T T E R. Everyone in Europe calls it Cutter. Some people in America now do. I can't do it. It's Qatar. Uh, it's a it's a money grab. It's a country with one city. Most of the arenas are going to be temporary and then broken down. You're going to have artificial clouds, which I don't know what that means. Is that a giant drone blocking the sun? And it's going to be played. Uh, in the winter, 
So it's not going to be a traditional World Cup summer. Everything about it stinks. It should be in the United States, but it's not. But we'll embrace it. And now I can finally start to root for America again after the shambles, the shambolic yes. uh, non-qualification from such a tank of minnows like CONCACAF or Russia 2018, I can start getting behind them again. And, of course, the CONCACAF <laughs> qualifying for World Cup 2022 doesn't start until next year, but with some regions beginning to roll it out, we will take a quick glimpse at the state of American soccer and, of course, the ladies. The ladies, as I yeah. do a quick Jerry Lewis for the 80-year-olds in the audience. Ladies! Thank you. The ladies, <laughs> of course, are heading to France. Parlez-vous français? Mm. Oui, je suis pas un peu. Very, very little, Rick, Francais. But the ladies will be in France for that. But let's talk transfers, shall we? And David De Gea, the great Spanish goalkeeper, could be on the move from Manchester United. PSG looking to pony up a big bit of 60 million quid, Rick. Is De Gea still worth this high price? I think he is. But remember, uh, for those who don't know, those red toppers, those tabloids. And then if you even get into Italy and you think about the Corella del Sport and all the different soccer magazines, these are soccer magazines with 50 pages and they're dailies. They have to conjure up and contrive rumors. Now, sometimes those rumors get legs and they become reality. They snowball and people talk about them enough that they talk them into reality. But if I had a nickel for every time this guy's going here, this guy's going there, I would swear that this soccer Rumors are the worst in all of the world, and they're true less than 10. I'll go 5% of the time that they're true. They're usually. Blue? Yeah, they're just. And it's always for guys who are under contract for three more years. It's just such a joke. De Gea reportedly <laughs> asking for 350,000 quid or pounds, Rick, per week. In order to stay in at United, they are not so eager to pony up that sum, so they're turning their attention instead to Gianluigi Donnarumma. Your thoughts on the great 20-year-old Italian keeper? Uh, you know what? I'm not really familiar with him. Could we have stumped you for the first time? I, I think I'm a little bit stumped. Was he the backup in the World Cup? Uh, wait, they didn't go to the World Cup, so this is why I don't know him. No, he played for uh, Milan. Milan. Okay, so he played for for, in, for AC or Inter? Yes, I, for AC. Okay, he played for AC Milan. Um, I'm uh, 20 years old. I'm not super familiar with him. They're always looking to expand. Remember, they took a chance on Tim Howard. They said he was the guy, and then they went with Fabian Barthez. I mean, they just, they're always looking for something new, but uh, I, I think they would be wise to hold on to De Gea, but if he wants that much that much money, it might be too rich for the Glazers, who, of course, run the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Danny Alves <laughs> has played in Brazil, Spain, Italy, and now France, the 36-year-old, could have an eye on England. He says he'd like to play in the Premier League before retirement. He, of course, playing for PSG now. 36 years old, yet to debut in England. How big of a leap is that, even when you go from a, a strong side like PSG to go play into that different English style so late in one's career? I think Danny Alves could have a career in England, but he would probably have to join the, a West Ham type of team. Um, and I think he would do well. Uh, I think he's better than the average English fullback, but uh, I don't see him slotting into a team that's in uh, in Europe. Put this under the 95% of rumors that turn out to be false. Here was a hot one that came and went faster than we could even really appreciate it. Bayern Munich winger Arjen Robin, 
of course, the great Dutch player who also is uh, deep into the back nine of his career. He reportedly wants to leave the Bundesliga. The rumor was Leicester City had its eye on Aryan Robin. Again, a player of that caliber. Does he have enough left to come back to England, even though this rumor has been quashed recently? Not squashed, but quashed. (laughs) What does Aryan Robin do if he no longer wants to be in the Bundesliga? Well, it's funny. I was going to talk about this as well. I watched uh, Bayern win the Bundesliga yet again, and it was weird because Robin got his 99th goal in a Bayern shirt. Um, after all he did for Arsenal, it'd be weird to see him come back to play for the Foxes. Um, it's funny. I, I was speaking with the Matthias Fuchs, who just signed an extension there. Fuchs. He was like, yes, uh, his zero Fuchs given. Uh, he was. Wasn't uh, he the one who wanted to come play in the NFL as a punter? No, that was um, Christian Fuchs. Maybe was that who it was? I think yeah. so. He was the one who plays for Leicester. Yes, Fuchs. Yes. So um, that's because his family lives in Manhattan. Gotcha. His wife works for Goldman Sachs, and he never sees his kids. And he just signed a new contract with Leicester. Anyway, hmm. um, but you know, what I love about that that Bayern game is here's everyone thinks Robin is leaving. I, I it's pretty much for sure he's leaving, and it's pretty much for sure that Frank Ribery is leaving as well. And something, you know, they always say, watch a game and you'll see something you've never seen before at the old ball yard. Uh, Frank Ribery scores a goal for Bayern Munich, and they're coasting to a 5-1, 5-nothing win. 5-1 over Eintracht Frankfurt. That's what it was. Eintracht Frankfurt, who was in the semifinals of the Europa League. So they were no, uh, you know. What's no- German for slouch? <laughs> <laughs> no slouch, yes. I always think of one-track mind, Eintracht Frankfurt. But um, Ribery scores a goal. He takes off his shirt, mm. which is an automatic yellow. He takes off his shirt, and while his shirt off, the referee is giving him the yellow card, and Ribery is hugging him. Hugging the referee. I've never seen a guy hug a ref whilst being booked simultaneously. That's shirtless what, booking. <clears throat> yes. A shirtless booking while hugging. Yes, that's not a grinder category. Hugging in the middle of a shirtless booking. That's incredible. I don't know if I've ever seen that either. Yes, hashtag. Yes, it's Golasso Supremo, Rick Tittle, and Dan Dibley. We talk children's books here momentarily, but first back to the Bundesliga. Dortmund finishes two points back of Bayern. Looking at, at the Dortmund side and and how they closed it out with a 2 nothing win over Mönchengladbach. Where do they go from here, is it still going to be Bayern's league to lose? Or if they lose these players, does the door get kicked open in the Bundesliga? No, Bayern's, I mean, even though, and it's funny, the two Borussios going out at the Latin for Prussia, Borussia Mönchengladbach and mm. Borussia Dortmund, they, um, they spent a lot of money. They've sold Pulisic to Chelsea. Obviously, that's official now. We already saw his press conference. Uh, no, Dortmund is always uh, going to be a threat. A um, couple things before we go to Gias for Golasso. Um, one is, uh, of course, uh, Manchester City won every trophy possible outside of Tottenham knocking out of the uh, Champions League. But at the at the end of the FA, FA Cup final, Raheem Sterling is running out to celebrate, and Pep Guardiola grabs him and starts remonstrating with him. Just And it was like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? That was wrong. This was wrong. And on the one hand, I thought, wow, he's still coaching. And on the other hand, I thought, let it go. You just won the cup. But, man, you talk about a guy who's dedicated to coaching. Yeah, your it's a your little, thoughts. A little bit too much, especially when you get the treble. And like you said, the only thing that they missed out on was the Champions League, and it happened in spectacular fashion. So as much as you wanted to get the four titles, 
you got three of the four. So in that moment, maybe the ABCs of being a manager always be coaching. Maybe you go ahead and sheath that just in the moment. In related or unrelated news, Raheem Sterling has come out and said that he hopes to play in the United States at some stage of his career. As I, someday. As I, I had to let that sit there for a little bit of a dramatic effect, he told the conference in New York he was surprised by the level of enthusiasm for football in the U.S. and expected the sport to grow and to continue to grow. At what point does the MLS, I'm not saying they're going to draw a player of this caliber. He's a top 10 player, especially when he's 22 years of age. But at what point do they start getting stars before the age of 30? Never. Not unless Just that play- never? Not unless that player has zero ambition. No, they would be stupid. You know, it's funny you think about coming to America. I remember I just thought about when they did that series on Liverpool um, about, what was it, five years ago, and Brendan Rodgers was the manager, and this is when the Red Sox, uh, John Henry uh, owner, he bought Liverpool, so they're going to play a game at Fenway Park. And Raheem Serling had just come up from the reserves. He was lucky to get on the plane. And at practice at Fenway, Brendan Rodgers said something, and Raheem Sterling said, steady on, which means, like, hold on or shut up. And there was this huge thing. Did you just say steady on? Did you tell me steady on? I'll have you back on the next plane, you little 16-year-old. Whatever. And it was funny when he almost like two years later demands he has to leave. I just thought I'm still mad at getting yelled at by Brendan Rogers. One more thing can we get to before? And I want to get your take on this as a longtime fan. Um, the, Europa, the Europa League final, of course, is also going to be between two um British uh, English teams, I should say, Chelsea and London. It's going to be Chelsea and Arsenal. It'll be a London derby in Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan. Um, Henrik Mkhitaryan is Armenian, and Armenia and Azerbaijan have not been uh, on friendly terms since the end of World War One. And even though you think about former Soviet steppes, all these things and states, it's it's kind of funny, not ha ha funny. So Mkhitaryan says he's not going to travel. And we know how good he was with Man United. I remember a goal he scored to beat Tottenham. He's a really good player. He helped Arsenal get there. And so Mickey, as they call him, says he's not going to go. And everyone came out and said, UEFA is is only about money. They should uh, ban Azerbaijan. Now, here's, here's the other side of things. There's always two sides. Azerbaijan has gone out of their way and UEFA security to say, we've guaranteed his safety. Other Armenians have played here in Baku. Tottenham played at Karabag. Arsenal played at Karabag. Karabag is the, the number one club team in Baku. They said, we've guaranteed his safety. You know, we think about Enos Cantor getting arrested by Interpol in right. Canada or whatever. Said, we've guaranteed his safety. We don't know what he's talking about. It's a shame he's not coming. And all they're saying to Arsenal is, it isn't a shame we can't come. Now, if he doesn't feel safe, I don't blame him for not going. Right. But... They've guaranteed his safety. They said other Armenians have played here. It's not a big deal. Where do you stand on all this? If he doesn't feel like he can be safe there, then he doesn't play. It's just that simple. Because now, if you bring him, he gets the guarantee, right, that he's going to be safe. First of all, there are no guarantees. Exactly. We both know that. Yes. So as much as you'd like the guarantee to be true, and it probably is true, there is that slight, slight chance that something out of everyone's control does happen. So if he doesn't feel comfortable going there, then... That basically is it. You don't go there, and apologies to the people of Azerbaijan, but that's just the way it goes. Right, but do you blame 
Baku and UEFA, even though they've guaranteed their, his safety? No, you really can't. Because right. what UEFA is trying to do is they're trying to move these championship games around so it's not always at Wembley or mm-hmm. at the New Camp or, you know, whatever, at the, the Stade du Olympique in uh, <laughs> Paris as I branch out of my European stadiums. You want to move it around to all countries, expose the game to a wide variety of people. It just so happens it's a bad beat, an Armenian bad beat in this case, to where he doesn't feel comfortable going to Azerbaijan. I think ultimately it's unfortunate, but you can't cast any blame anywhere. Right. I'm with you on that. I think it's it's dumb to say that they should have the game stripped of them because one guy feels nervous. And like I said, I'm, I, I agree with both sides. Okay, Rick, well, let's bring him in. Now it's time to talk real Galasso with the illustrator of the book, G is for Galasso, the ultimate soccer alphabet, Matthew Shipley, joining us on Golasso Supremo. Matthew, thank you for joining us. Tell us about this great illustrated soccer book. This is an A through Z primer for kids, it seems. So it actually all started out um, with James. Um, he, he contacted me a few years ago, and he had this idea for a basketball book. Um, so we started out doing a basketball book that was B is for baller, um, and even when he first came to me, um, I was like, "This kid, this could be an awesome soccer book as well, and other sports." Because um, I'm a big soccer guy my, myself, um, and luckily, B is for baller did well enough that we found a publisher, and they wanted to do another book, so we. Uh, we're lucky enough to do views for Golasso this past year. Yes, and hardback right now from Triumph Books, and the James he speaks of is James Littlejohn, the the author. And I'm just going through, and um, you know, sometimes you get a soccer book for kids, and you go, ah, this is going to be, you know, really for preschoolers. But I like the fact that everybody is legit. You got the D is for Derby. You got the North London Derby. There's Terry Henry. There's Harry Kane. I love the fact that when you have F for Fox in the box, you get a real Fox, you get a Lester Fox in Jamie Vardy. What was it about it that you wanted to make sure that this book wasn't just going to be for little kids? Uh, I'm a father myself. I have a two-year-old, so we spend a lot of time reading. Um, And it's always more enjoyable for me when I'm enjoying the the illustrations and stuff. So I thought... um, James did a really good job um, in in doing that with the words, and then I just tried to do it with the pictures, um, make it so that even if you're not a kid, you'll enjoy looking at it. Um, but I hope I did that. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I'm just curious how you would describe your illustrative style, because it seems a little bit of a mix of interpretation and the, the use of color is so vivid. How much of it is trying to appease your own sense of artistic creativity while also making sure that your audience has a rich tableau of colors to enjoy? Um, I think it's, I mean, I definitely want to make sure that, um, I mean, we have the names in there just in case, but I wanted to try and make sure that uh, most of the players you'd be able to pick out um, and be able to recognize even if the names weren't there. So that's one one goal that I have and hopefully did an all right job. Um, and then I think, I mean, as an artist, uh, I love drawing 
characters I love, um, kind of stretching proportions, playing around proportions. Um, and I also think colors are really important as far as uh, being able to identify different players and teams, but also in creating composition and making certain things pop out. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, Matthew, is that when you only have one letter, you only get one choice at what you're going to do. So T is for tractor. The first thing I thought of was the tractor boys, Ipswich Town. But no, you went with the tractor, Javier Zanetti, of course, the great Argentine and Internacionale defender. Was there any type of give and take, or did James say, that's what you're going to draw? So there was, there was a lot of give and take, um, actually, especially on that letter, um, we went back and forth. I can't remember all the different options, but I thought that, uh, Javier Zanetti and T is for tractor would be the best visual. Um, I mean, this is another problem we had with B is for ballers. There's so many players and, um, there's only 26 letters. So we had to do, do our best to, kind of pick and choose and I think we got a pretty good uh pretty good lay we got um and then I mean we use pages like X's for XI to kind of um get those players in there that we couldn't fit onto their own page we're talking to the illustrator of G is for Golasso the ultimate soccer alphabet it is Golasso Supremo the podcast here Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley, one more before we let you go. And I know that the book is available on Amazon Kindle. You can also find it at Amazon.com and many of your local bookstores. How does a book like this play on the Kindle? Because your artwork is so integral to the reading experience. Um, I, I mean, I think it does all right. I think it's definitely better to be able to look at it Um in like eight and a half by 11 and it's actual size. But, um, I think all the illustrations, I mean, I created them digitally, so I know they look good on screens. So I think, uh, the Kindle is another good option. If you're, if you let your kids, uh, look at screens. <laughs> That's fantastic. B is for baller is already out. G is for Galasso. Do you and James little John have something else planned? Perhaps F is for football, T is for tennis, V is for volleyball. Am I giving you free ideas, or do you guys already have one in the hopper? <laughs> We're actually jumping on a phone call tomorrow to discuss just that. So hopefully we'll have another one coming out next year. We'll see. Outstanding. Remember, C is also for cornhole if you're, if you're so inclined. <laughs> Matthew Shipley, the illustrator of G is for Golasso, the ultimate soccer alphabet. Thank you for joining us here on Golasso Supremo. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Matthew Shipley, the illustrator of G is for Golasso. Go to Amazon.com. Do a search for the book G is for Golasso, the ultimate soccer alphabet. An incredible gift for children. Quite a children's book, too. I I gave my copy to Joe Fortenbaugh, who I do the morning show Mm -hmm. with. And he was thrilled because if you have a two- or three-year-old and you're teaching them the alphabet, this is also a great way to teach them about soccer as well. Yeah, and you mentioned the art. I'm not an artist, but I would say watercolors, would it be? Maybe a little bit, but very, as you said, vibrant and uh, a tableau. Yes, that you, thank upon, you. Upon which you can draw 
off the palate. Thank as well. you. <laughs> Wonderfully done. Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley, Golasso Supremo. I didn't get a chance to get to W, but I'm wondering if W is for Wondolowski because Chris Wondolowski, not one, not two, not three, but four goals. Tetra, as the Portuguese would say. I remember when Brazil won its fourth World Cup. It was Tetra, Tetra, mm-hmm. Tetra, Brazil, <laughs> Tetra. Wanda with That's four goals. Good. Thank you. Four goals to break Landon Donovan's record. What did you think of not only the accomplishment, but how he did it? Well, I, I tell you what, it's it's really great, too, because, and listen, I don't care where the guy's from. If he's playing for my team, I want him to do well. But like myself, he's from Contra Costa County. He went to a Catholic high school in Contra Costa County like I did. He went to De La Salle. He went to Chico State. I played football for St. Mary's. I almost played football for Chico State. Uh, he's just so many local avenues. He's been on this show. He's been so available uh, over the years. You know him very well with your time as an Earthquakes broadcaster as well. He's just one of our own, and he's a great guy, and he's a stand-up guy. We know what happened at the uh, the World Cup uh, as well. He's represented us great, and he's a deserving guy. And you think about how they let him go when the Earthquakes went to Houston and became the Dynamo, and then they got him back. He was just a guy who could have quit 100 times, and now look, the all-time greatest scorer ever. And currently tied for 16th in Major League Soccer this year with those four goals, all uh-huh. four of those goals coming in well. One fell swoop. The thing I liked perhaps most about the way he broke the record was it was a poacher's goal to break the record. And he mentioned it afterward. He said, a thousand times when the goalkeeper is going up to catch a high ball, you run up there and 999 times the goalie doesn't spill it. But if you run at him a thousand times... There's that one chance that that one time he's going to spill it. And in this case, the ball was spilled. And that was the goal that ultimately broke Landon Donovan's record. My favorite soccer player ever, and now he's a broadcaster, Gary Lineker, Tottenham in England. He said, and Barcelona and Leicester and Everton and Grampus 8 in the J-League. He did say, never take your starting striker off. He needs 90-plus minutes to get that goal. And it's an exact type of thing. Never stop running, never stop trying. You know those strikers that are always offsides because they don't get their goal and they walk back? Right. It's like, hey, we had, we got the ball back. If you would have... I just like those guys that are all effort. And Wando, you think about all the positions he's played. He's been a center forward. He's played out on the wing at times as well. Sometimes they've tried him defensively, which is not his skill. So, anyway, big props to one of our own. Yes, and Carlos Vela leading MLS right now with 14 goals in 14 matches. He's averaging one goal per 90 minutes. 1.01 goals per 90, to your point about sometimes you need a full 90 to get it done. That's an unbelievable clip. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is second with 10 goals. Nani sitting right in there with seven in a group with Wayne Rooney, Diego Rossi, former great players from Europe who've yeah. come to America and are, and are doing quite well to our, our earlier discussion about Raheem Sterling. Whenever I hear Nani, I always think about the three amigos with the, the singing bush. Gafar, 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 <laughs> Nani! <laughs> oh, we have more time. Okay. That would have been a great one to punctuate <laughs> on, but we've got a few I have one minutes. foot in the hallway. You were so out the door. <laughs> Golasso Supremo, Rick Tittle, and Dan Dibley. We did tease... Women's World Cup, and also the state of the U.S. national team. Currently ranked number 24 in the world, Rick Tittle. What do you think about USA as the 24th ranked side? I believe they're currently wedged between Senegal, can you feel me, 
and Romania, <laughs> who sits 25th. Well, both of those teams would thrash the United States. Those rankings have always been, and they come out of, um, you know, Lucerne or Geneva or wherever they are, Zurich at the time, and Schweiz. They're sponsored by Pepsi. Pepsi is an American company. They always want to make sure. I mean, there have been times when the United States has been in the top 10, which is an absolute shambles. I wouldn't put too much into those rankings. It's not like the USTA's top 500. But the women, I am excited about La Belle France. I always love players who step up in the biggest moments when the bright lights shine. You think about the last final in Canada, Carly Lloyd, a hat trick within 16 minutes of that game. The game of her life, the game of anyone's dreams. I found out, and it was two World Cups ago when they played in Germany, this is when the world Women's World Cup now is highly watchable. Uh, I actually worked back here in the States, the 1991 World Cup final, which was in China, the very first one. There was not parity in that. There were still some good countries, and that's because most countries still feel that, uh, you know, soccer is the most macho sport. you robbed of your femininity if you play, all these things that the Scandinavian countries in the USA has never had before. Because in this country, as you know, oh, soccer, it's for girls and foreigners. And so we're, we're fi- finally getting past that. But if you looked at Megan Rapinoe, probably the best two-footed player this country's ever produced, her pinpoint passes to Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, and then you look at Asia coming on strong with China and Japan. It, there's so much parity. There's so many good players. Like England used to be a joke. England is a good team now. Italy was a joke. Italy has a good team now. This World Cup... I say give the ladies a chance. You'll be surprised at the high quality of soccer. Six groups of four will go to post as we get a little horse racing jargon in there. USA in Group F, along with Thailand, which should be a pretty one-sided match. Mm -hmm. Chile, not yet quite developed enough. And Sweden, a team that's always rather pesky. The other top seeds, Canada in Group E, England, of course, in Group D, perhaps the the group of death with Scotland, Argentina, and Japan, a Japan side that's always very tough. Group C, actually rugged with Australia, Italy, Brazil, and Jamaica. Mm. That might actually be the Grupo de Morte. Mm-hmm. Germany leads the way with China in Group B, and then France, your headliner, of course, the host nation, mm-hmm. in Group A with uh, the Korean Republic, South Korea, Norway, and Nigeria. It's funny you mentioned parody because... USA winning in 2015, but prior to that, they hadn't won in three consecutive World Cups. I don't think that the casual fan would have realized that. No, and like I said, there are a lot of times in sports where you think, oh, you know, I'm not a fan of the WNBA or what have you. You have to just have to give it a chance. And to tell you the truth, I'd say four World Cups ago, even the World Cup here in 99, of course, that the United States won in Pasadena, we talked about that last week. There were still a lot of minnows. There are always going to be minnows in the World Cup. Even in the Men's World Cup, there are still some minnows. The worst team on paper is Thailand. And I'm, I'm, I think it's fantastic that they even qualified out of that region. Um, but I think you'd be doing yourself a, a disservice if you're a soccer fan, especially you get into the knockout rounds. You're going to get the best of the best of the women there. June 11th, uh, the USA will take on Thailand in Group F action, then Chile on the 16th, and finally wrapping Group June 20th against Sweden. And they have to pick up points in those first two games because Sweden could easily... I mean, we had a Swedish uh, coach for the United States, so Sweden is one of those uh, powerhouse countries. And that's uh, Sundhagen, right? Yes, very good. Pia Sundhagen. Pia Sundhagen, not Pia Zadora. 
This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.